Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's good? It's Pendarvis Harshaw, host of Right Now-ish. I'm excited. Today's show is scheduled to be a sucker-free celebration. April 15th, a.k.a. 415 Day is upon us. That's the date that coincides with the San Francisco area code. So, we're talking to two artists who are longtime collaborators slash organizers. They're both from the city, and they've taken it upon themselves to make sure that the legacy of their hometown is shown in the proper context. 415 Day stands for Resistance, Resilience, and Restitution. It highlights how the people of San Francisco have always pushed back against these forces that don't want to respect them. It's saying, like, this is our land, this is the people's land, we want to grow our crops here, we want to grow our families here. And that, you can extend that idea to the world. This is the people's world. That's Satchel Rosen, a music producer known as Baghead. He recently teamed up with filmmaker Jules Retzloff, who goes by Serial for the Kids. Their new project includes an album and a short film. It's an ode to the city's people and culture. It's past and future. It's full of quotes and shout outs and dope visuals. It's all called Dedicated to Those Who. This is a love letter to the people who fight every day for the city, who fight to be here. And it's also a call to action. You know, if you aren't already throwing down, like this is the time. And we live in a very particular historical moment where we can make great change that lasts for generations and we should celebrate that too and get hyphy and (laughs) have a lot of fun and talk shit and drink 40s but also you know do it and then show up at city hall the next day we're talking san francisco art and activism history and homies all in a hot one Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Dedicated to those who introduces us to San Franciscans who value their culture and fight for it. It's a San Francisco story, but it's universal in nature. The hip-hop album includes clips of Toni Morrison, lines from Nipsey Hussle, and quotes from locals, all mixed with vibey, boom-bap instrumentals. Anything can happen in art. There are no boundaries there. The problem of being free is a serious one. The album serves as a soundtrack to the film. 
where the visuals include shots of homies having 40s, skateboarders bombing hills, archival footage of protests, and psychedelic graphics that probably be wild to watch during an acid trip. We are not alone out here. This battle will not leave us victims. I've gotten this far for a reason. Now listen before the revolution passes by you. We explore the role of artistry inside of like community revolution and love. Um, and it's not pretty and it's not perfect, but it is really beautiful. And that kind of goes back to at the very end of the album, James Baldwin is talking. That your suffering does not isolate you. That your suffering is your bridge. That many people have suffered before you. Many people are suffering around you. And always will. And all you can do is bring, hopefully, a little light into that suffering. We don't change anything. All we can do is invest people with the morale to change it for themselves. And that's love. Love is responsibility to each other. We can't keep building from these places of anger and hurt and pain. We have to enjoy our life and the people around us so that we can be invigorated and charged up to go do that work. Jules, this piece kind of stands as a, a love letter. I'm wondering from your side of things as a creator. I think this project just made so much sense in that wanting to do something for the city, both of us have been born and raised in the city and then also have been organizing in the city, but also are artists from here. And so doing a short film that incorporated the people that this was for, that this project was for, both who are still here and who also are gone, and the history that's inspired us. One of the themes throughout the piece is nostalgia and kind of, you know, holding on to pieces of yesteryear. We are desperately in love with the nostalgia of San Francisco to the point where we make everything kind of about it. I'm wondering, uh, Jules, what are some of the benefits and the detriments of nostalgia, of holding on to nostalgia? I think nostalgia serves as a way to retell lost narratives. For San Francisco, I think there's so many pieces that are forgotten now and are not being told because those people whose stories they are are not here anymore. I, I do think that nostalgia can be problematic because our history is entangled with things that are also problematic, which I think the folks that we interview also struggle with that too. I think I actually get like upset when people don't recognize what came before them and pretend like shit is all good. Cause like I, it's, it's always funny to me when people are like, oh, we should have like a 1920s theme party. And I'm like, do you know what was happening in the 1920s, bruh? Like it was all bad for people to, that look like me. But at the same time, it's, it's so important for us to know our history and, and know it for all the beautiful moments as well as the ugly ones too. Who are some of the other people featured in this piece and how do they uh, represent uh, the city through their art? The film, in a very experimental way, follows three individuals who are all born and raised in the city, but they also represent the needing to leave the city um, based off like economic trends present in our city because of the dot-com boom and later the tech boom. There's Mike Evans Jr. There's a really false narrative that in order to be rich and successful and have a lot of money and be really happy, someone needs to suffer because of it. Until we have that myth debunked, we're always going to be in this fucking weird cyclone of seeing a mansion next to a person sleeping in a tent. 
And he, you know, his parents are born and raised in the Fillmore district. His childhood is very reminiscent of like a changing San Francisco where he his family moved to Vallejo and he stayed going to school in the city. There's Juan Ateo, who is a veteran organizer in the city. What's the freedom that I choose to contribute towards? It's very easy to feel overwhelmed on a daily basis, but if we're clear about what we're striving for, what we're aiming for, and putting our energy to sharpen that vision for ourselves, that is our own version of seeking freedom for us to understand that. We have. Has done a lot of youth work, anti-police work, um, anti-gentrification work, and they're a Bayview native, born and raised in the Bayview district. And the third person who we interviewed is Nicol Rivera. I come home to people because I got nowhere else to go. I come home, but there ain't no home. They grew up in the mission and moved out of there at a young age for financial reasons. So when it comes to like me being a producer, right? Like I said, I don't direct people with my words. I direct them with an emotion and let them take that where it goes. Got you, got you. And while Baghead held down the audio side of things, Jules, you were behind the visuals. What was your aim with that? The imagery is all reminiscent of our family's histories. Like my father has lived in San Francisco since the 70s and was like organizing. It's an homage to folks here in Ghana and um, solidarity we have for each other is generations gone past. When our families, you know, migrated here 10 years ago, that struggle that brought them here itself is part of that, like, intergenerational movement and struggle in the city, too. The layers of it. There's a lot of different footage. There's ethnic studies footage. There's some from labor strike. What footage are we looking at in terms of protest imagery? There's footage from the Frisco 500 action where folks uh, stormed City Hall. Mari Woods was murdered in 2015, and then in 2016 is when, like, organizing really kicked off. There's also footage of the White Knight riots when Dan White murdered Harvey Milk, which is an homage to the gay rights movement in the city, another moment in which City Hall was stormed. So just trying to, like, juxtapose our historical moments to the ones we're currently experiencing and trying to let folks know that like, right now history is in a cycle, but we have the chance to break that cycle if we pay attention to it. Back in Mario Woods, the organizing that happened around his killing, how did that politicize you and how does that show up in your art today? That moment was kind of everything for me. Around the same time Mario Woods got killed, the administration at SF State was trying to cut funding to ethics studies. And there was a huge march to you know, expose the administration at SF State for cutting that funding and relating the cutting of the funding to ethics studies to the history of there being no space for black and brown voices or for working class voices. Were you a part of the uh, hunger strike that happened at SF State? Well, myself, Jules, Akil, and Hassani went on hunger strike at SF State to push the administration to not cut funding, as well as other list of demands. How'd that go? How'd it end? It's complicated. A lot of mistakes, a lot of good things too. We were able to fight the cuts, but we did not make all our wins. 
the need for the expansion of programs that were not getting the funding that they deserved. I think it was a big learning lesson for us as new organizers, but I think it also helped rejuvenate some stuff at state too, and was a really important politicizing moment for a lot of people. Being that you're artist and you see where your heart is given the organizing work that you've done, what's the importance of using art to express political views and societal critiques? As artists, we make people feel the importance to dedicate themselves to something bigger. And you are able to put it on a plate that's digestible and understandable. If you look at the history of political organizing, there is sometimes a lack of the most affected being heard or listened to. And I think with poetry, with artistry, you find that it is those people who are speaking up. The history of hip-hop is a bunch of kids from the Bronx that is burning, having fun and expressing their joy and expressing their hurt and speaking truth to power. And it connects people from the spectrum of privilege to struggle and it has them be in one space and connect with each other and figure out ways to move with each other. I think the the album and the film serve as a, a spiritual resting place to sit in and to feel the things you need to about both the joy and the disgust, the nostalgia of what it means to be from the city, but also what it means to be from anywhere. You're doing this work and you're in the city where it's ex expensive as hell. How do you keep it together how do you work with this collective group of people i imagine it's got to be tough being an artist is hard as it is but when everyone has a job and on top of that they have to work as much as they can to be able to live here it makes it hard to collaborate in a healthy way you know a lot of us have these moments of being burnt out but it's, it's the passion that keeps us going there's a lot of mutual aid there's a lot of we're helping each other i think all of us in our community deeply care about one another, have such fucking love. We're not really sure how we're gonna make this city from top down care about the people who built the city. We're not sure how we're gonna make this a better world. We're not sure how we're gonna make our dreams come true, but we believe in it. So go finish that sentence for us. You know, figure out your role, figure out our role, help us out, help yourself out. Big thanks to Baghead and Serial for the kids, producers of Dedicated to Those Who. Thank you for addressing concepts that are relatable to so many places. Every last instrumental used in this episode was a Baghead production. Find more of his music on any major music platform. The film, produced by Jules, aka Serial for the Kids, can be found on YouTube. Just search for Dedicated to Those Who. You all can follow Jules on Instagram at Serial for the Kids, all one word, and Baghead is on there too at baghead.osk. Marisol Medina Cadena is the producer of this show. Jessica Plachik is the editor. Our engineer is Seal Muller. Sarah Pineda, Lena Blanco, Kiana Mogadam, and Jacqueline Carvajal make up the engagement team. KQED execs are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw, a 510 kid, wishing you all a happy 415 day. Before we dip, it's only right to shout out some of the folks who make the city what it is and appeared in the video dedicated to those who. Quick roll call. There's La Doña, there's Stunnerman 02, there's Nancy Peely, there's Professor Gable, there's Cy4, there's Nick Stravick, 
There's Emi and Renisha, who are the vegan hood chefs. Chi, who was an organizer with us, uh, Frisco 500. Quipto's in there. Dregs One, Frisco Lens is in there. There's so many people. <laughs> Monk HTS and MC Paws. Callie J's in there, Ozer, Fatty Natty, he sometimes sells food off his Instagram too. One day we'll have everybody that we love on camera and be like, this person matters the fuck, like watch them grow. But until then. Right now is a KQED production. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.